You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Man, what an awesome day. It is so nice, and it's not really hot. It's spring. Uh, yeah, the fall, spring is in the air. No, fall is in the air. Uh, no, it's a good well, welcome to church. Uh, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. Shout out to those who are on the World Wide Web, uh, on the internet, taking the live stream in. Today we're starting a new series, and the series is on the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is a book in the New Testament. It is the book that immediately follows the four Gospels. And the four Gospels are the story of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. And so we read about uh, the life of Jesus in, in books like the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, the book of Luke, and the book of John. Now, the Gospel of Luke was written by Luke. Good, okay. I was just making sure you were with me. Yeah. Ergo the name, the book of Luke, yes. Um, now, let me just give you a little bit of background to, to this book. Who is Luke? Luke is uh, most likely, he's, he's kind of an unusual fellow in the sense that out of all the writers of the New Testament, Luke, we think, um, is a Gentile. He's not Jewish. He's a physician. But he had close relationships, uh, close friendships with uh, many of the disciples of Jesus. Uh, and he, he writes the book of Luke, and he begins his account by dedicating and by addressing the book to a particular person. So it's kind of interesting. Right at the beginning of the book of Luke, we read um, uh, Luke writing these words. He says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from the first, who from first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. He goes, With this in mind, I've carefully investigated everything, right from the beginning, and I've decided to write an orderly account for you. And he dedicates it, this book to this fellow, and we're not quite sure who he is, but the fellow's name, is, is, he refers to him as the most excellent Theophilus. And so he says this, we're going to tell you about the story of Jesus. The book of Acts, when you begin it, is interesting. You can tell that it's Luke who, who wrote it, because the book of Acts begins with the same dedication to the same fellow. And so, um, if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Acts, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, right at the beginning, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. And in honor of God's word, let's stand together, and I'll, I'll read this. <clears throat> Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. <laughs> look what Luke says. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, right? So he makes reference to, to the book of Luke. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's actually quoting his first book. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom 
to Israel. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So Luke is actually, he summarizes his first book in this first section. So let's pray. Jesus, this is all about you. You are not a philosophy or not a worldview, but you are personal, you are historical, and you are present with us. And so we pray that you would speak to us, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, soften hard hearts that we would receive from you, and grant us the courage to respond to whatever you say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, we know that the book of Luke uh, is probably written um, around the early 60s A.D. And we know this because um, the book of Luke, or the, the book of Acts, sorry, the book of Acts is describing um, the life and the ministry of this guy named Paul. Paul actually ends up getting killed. So, spoiler. Um, actually, it doesn't show up in the book of uh, Acts. But Paul does get killed. Uh, by Roman authorities, and we know around 64, 65 A.D. At the end of the book of Acts, Paul's still alive. And so we can date the book with you know, pretty good certainty to the early 60s A.D. So that's pretty early. And some of you may be thinking, well, that's all really interesting, David. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, why are we going through the book of Acts? I mean, there's 66 books in the Bible to choose from. Why the book of Acts? To which I would say, why not? Um, actually, there's a number of reasons why we're going to go through the book of Acts. We think that the book of Acts has so much to say, especially at this present moment, in this moment that we're in right now. Um, it's going to have a lot to say about uh, the, the meaning of the word, the life of the spirit. And we want to walk through this book this year. And we want to invite you to walk through this book together. But I'm going to lay out a couple of reasons why I think the book of Acts is so important. First off, just an observation, the book of Acts is a lot of fun. It is a fun and engaging read. There's drama, there's excitement, there's storms at sea, there's prison breaks, there's angels, there's arrests, there's all sorts of cool things that go on. In fact, there's this really interesting part towards the end of the book of Acts, because remember, Luke is, is, is writing this, and at towards the end of the book of Acts, um, Luke joins the narrative. It's kind of interesting. It goes from describing what's taking place to suddenly the, the narrative goes, and then we went here, and then we experienced this, and then we decided to do this. And so it's Luke as actually joining Paul on one of the, on one of the voyages. And so the whole uh, tenor of the, uh, of the book changes at that point, which is, I think, kind of cool. And so the book of Acts, actually, if anything else, it reminds us that when God is at work, stuff happens. And life is never boring. And so we're going to look at the book of Acts because it's a fun and engaging read, but there's another reason. And it's this, is the, the book of Acts is our story. 
It's our story. And you know what? In light of all that we've gone through in the past two and a half years with the pandemic, I think it's easy to lose our moorings. It's easy to get disoriented. It's easy to feel confused. And I think it's important for us to rediscover the story into which we're invited, right? And so the book of Acts does that. Now, the book of Acts fits within the overall story of Scripture. And one of the things that I, I always encourage people to do is to, when you're reading a book in the Bible, is to keep the place of this book within the overall story of the Bible. And I'm just going to very quickly just give you just one of the ways to, to think of the Bible and to, to always, when, when you're reading the Bible, to keep this overall story in mind is to think of the Bible this way. Think of the Bible as an unfinished five-act play. I think this is really helpful. I'm, I didn't come up with this. Somebody way smarter than me came up with this. Um, but I think it's really helpful to look at the Bible as an unfinished five-act play. So there's different acts that the, the Bible walks through. The first act is creation. We begin with God's good creation. God created all things. Creation's good. God created humanity, male and female. Very good, he says. Um, and for a time... There was harmony. There was peace. There was shalom. There was harmony between humanity and God, humanity and each other, and humanity and creation. It's all good. But that leads to the second act, and that is where God's good creation is marred by rebellion. And we read about this early on in Genesis 3. Rather than trusting in God's love and wisdom, humanity decides to live its life independently of God, that they would be the measure of what is right and what is wrong and what is true and what is false, and they would do so independently of God. And a rift, a separation happens between humanity and God. And this rift, the, the, the word to describe it is sin. And now there's disharmony between us and God. There's disharmony between us and each other, and there's disharmony between us and God's good creation. Okay, and we're living in that. The third act is a story of Israel, and this takes up most of the Old Testament. And this lays out, because of God's great love for his creation, God comes up with a rescue plan. He, decide, he, he wants to rescue. He wants to restore his original intention for creation. And he does so through two people, a man named Abraham and his wife Sarah. And, and what, what he does is he, he says to Abraham, he, says, I'm gonna give, he makes two promises. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and through this nation, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Okay, that's the, the two parts of the promise. And, and, and much of the Old Testament is playing this out. And so how is this promise going to be played out? Well, as it turns out, not very well. Um, because this new people, the people of Israel, the people that we read about in the Old Testament, rather than being a light to the nations, they kind of see the light as a badge of honor, and they keep it to themselves. And rather than affecting the surrounding nations, they become infected by many of the idolatrous practices of the surrounding nations, and they become as corrupt as everyone else. And so by the time you get to the end of the Old Testament, the, the promise, this great promise that was laid out to, to Abraham and Sarah, great nation, through them all the nations of the world would be blessed, this promise is in jeopardy, and it looks pretty bad. Which leads us to the fourth act, which is the story of Jesus who he is, his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection. And this is the climax of the story. 
At just the right time, God the Father sent his son to be incarnate, to become a human being, to enter into the mess of this world, to rescue us out of our sin and our separation, and to establish his kingdom of peace and reconciliation. And so Jesus is the climax of the story, which leads to the final act, which is the story of the church. And that is our story. And the book of Acts begins in Act 5. And the story of the church, this is where the church, where we receive the promise that was laid out in the Old Testament. And if you, uh, if you see, if you read through the Old Testament, it's kind of interesting. There's a couple points along the way where you see the passing of the promise, where God's promise is being passed on. And it's often when a person dies, and he, just before he dies, he passes it on to, the, to another person. And so you see this with uh, Moses, and he passes it on to, anybody know? Joshua, yeah, he passes it on to Joshua. Um, you get King David, and he's dying, he passes it on to Solomon, right? You get Elizabeth, and she passes it on to Charles. No, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a different, different, uh, different story. Um, but you do get one other uh, example, and, it, and it's two prophets that we read about. And that one prophet is named Elijah, and he passes on the promise to Elisha. Exactly. And Elijah, it's an interesting story. He, he doesn't die. He, he actually gets taken up into heaven. There's an interesting parallel here. Um, but the question on Elisha, the second prophet, was, will I receive the same promise? Will I receive the power of God in my own life? Right? Now, there's an interesting parallel here, because in Jesus... In Jesus, a parallel happens, but much, much bigger. Because when Jesus is taken up, we read this in our passage, that Jesus tells his disciples, you know what? It's a good thing for me to leave. Because when I leave, I will pass on my presence, my power, onto a new people. I will pass my presence and my power onto a new people. And this new people is made up of all those who put their trust in me who give their life to me. And this people is the church. And so the book of Acts is the story of the church. It is, it is our story. Why? Because we are the church. And so the book of Acts is the story of all those who give their allegiance to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And those who do make up the people of God and we live out God's kingdom purposes. We live out the implications of the great story and the great promise that God had initially laid out. That you and I, through our lives, that we would be a blessing to our neighbors. We'd be a blessing to, you know, our family members, to anyone that God brings across our path. That we live out that same mission, right? Now, one thing you'll find when you read the book of Acts it's kind of interesting, a bit of a spoiler alert, because when you get to the end of the book of Acts, it ends abruptly. You get to the end, and you're expecting, okay, everything's going to wrap up, credits are going to roll, it's going to say the end. It's like, wow, that's really good. But it, it ends really quickly. And it feels unfinished. And I think that's intentional from Luke. I think he writes the book of Acts in a way um, that gives you the sense that the story's not done yet. And do you know what? The story's not done yet. Because we're still living out that story. And that we are called to be witnesses, right? 
we read about that we're called to be witnesses um, in, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the, uh, ends of the earth. And so you and I are called to be witnesses to the you know, deepest, darkest coquitlam, you know, the ends, ends of the earth, right? And we're called to participate in this story. But, the, but to participate in this story, we really need to know the story well. Right? Because if, if you're just trying to live out the Christian life in Coquitlam, I mean, we're a long way from Jerusalem. We're a long way from the first century. So how do we, how do we live this life? Well, if you know the script, if you know the script, you can improvise. If you don't know the script, you don't know how to improvise. But if you know the script, then you know whatever you face, you'll know how to navigate your way through this. So one thing we are called to be, and the book of Acts lays this out, is that you and I are called to be witnesses. And that's why we're calling this series Witnesses. To spread out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to Coquitlam, right? But there's another reason why we're doing the book of Acts. And the other reason is this, is the book of Acts is our history. If you read the book of Acts, it takes place in real time. It takes place with real people, Real events, real kings, real leaders, real high priests, real missionaries, real cities, real culture. And it reminds us of something really, really important. Is that the God we worship is the God of history. Okay, now this is really important. This separates Christianity from any other religion. Because we believe that God operates in the messiness and the raw material of history. And that is really important God is a God of history. I remember years ago, I was in a debate with, um, with an atheist. And some of you know I came, I, I used to be an atheist. I used to be a, a Marxist back in the day. Um, but I was uh, meeting uh, uh, with this guy. He was a former, used to be a Christian. He kind of walked away and embraced atheism. And he was sharp. He was one really sharp guy. And so we had long conversations, long emails, talking about different things. But one of the things that he kept trying to, to do is he kept wanting to, to argue abstractly. You know, is, is, is God so powerful he can make a rock that he can't lift? Huh, huh, huh. You know, those sorts of things, right? You know, just, uh, you know, kind of abstract arguments. But I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go there. I kept going back to history, going back to history, going back. And he said, stop going back to history. Let's talk about God. And I said, look, you have to realize, I said, God is not a triangle. God is not some abstract idea. God is personal and he's revealed himself in history. Our faith is rooted in a person and an event. And this event took place. Right? So this is absolutely key. And I like what um, Ajith Fernando, he's a uh, Sri Lankan missionary, he says, he says, any Christian who wants to know how to be a disciple of Christ in the world should turn to Acts to know how the first Christians lived. And that's what we're going to be doing this year. But there's another reason why we're going to be doing the book of Acts. I think the book of Acts is going to help us navigate our way in a very complex world. On our own, this world is very overwhelming. And what Acts will do is going to equip us to live out the Christian life. And it'll do so in a number of ways. One of the ways is going to emphasize the importance of, of, of the Word of God and the Spirit. And what Acts lays out very importantly is that we need to be people of the Word. We need to know who Jesus is. 
We need to know the teachings of Jesus. We need to know the word of God for there to be any change. There's no point calling for change in this world unless we are familiar with God's revelation of himself. And God's word, he, re- he reveals himself, his mission, his character, all these things. And unless we're acquainted with the word of God, we are in a lot of trouble. And so we need to be people of the book. The word teaches us just who this Jesus is, why he came, what he has done. But here's the thing. Teaching is important, but it's not enough. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit, and the book of Acts is actually the the acts of the Holy Spirit. The presence and the power of Jesus, the, 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 the Holy Spirit is essential to Christian life and ministry. And we're going to come back to this again and again. But the point is this. If, if you try, if you try to live out the Christian life without the Holy Spirit, you're done. You're toast. In fact, I guarantee you, if you try to live out the Christian life without the power, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, within a very short period of time, you'll either become self-righteous, you'll get really grumpy, and you'll walk away. You just will, because we cannot live out the Christian life on our own. And if you try, then the best you're going to end up with is some kind of moralism. And that gets tiring really quick. We need God's presence to empower us. Now, let me just pause for a second and ask you a question. Is anybody else here feeling, going into this fall, Really, really tired. I see some hands. Some of you are so tired you can't even lift your hands. I know. Ah, <laughs> oh, forget it. Yeah, I can't. I find a lot of people are tired. Now, here's the, here's the thing. And I was reading about, about this recently. I think w- one of the impacts of the pandemic is that, you know, we've kind of moved on with our lives. Okay, the pandemic is over. Huzzah! You know, we're carrying, we're, we're moving on. But I think the the pandemic, these last two and a half years, has done a number on us more than we realize. And the way it expresses itself, we do our jobs, we can do our work, we could do what was required, but the moment somebody asks you to do something extra, you just don't have the reserve. You used to have the reserve, but you don't have it. And you don't have the... And and so when somebody asks you to do something, hey, can you help out? No, man. I, I just... No. I'm barely, I'm barely going, right? Uh, I can't do this extra thing. And I think that is one of the, impact, uh, one of the impacts of, of, of the pandemic. But here's the thing, especially in the Christian life, if you're going to try to live out the Christian life on your own, already depleted, you're, the, again, the theological term is you're toast, right? Um, you're, you're not going to do well. We need to be empowered and filled with God's presence to live the life that we're supposed to live. And we can't do it on our own. And in the weeks to come, we're going to be exploring, you know, the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit and what that means in the, in the weeks ahead. And, 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 the, and the book of Acts covers that quite a bit. The last thing is this. Um, oh, one of the last things. The other thing is this, is that truth matters in a pluralist world. I forgot about that point. 
Uh, and this is kind of cool because sometimes you look at the book of Acts and you think, oh, you know, that's the olden days and this is, this is a, we're, we're, we live in a different time. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are many similarities to the context in which the book of Acts was written and our context today. And one of the similarities is the fact that the Greco-Roman world was a very pluralist world. There were a lot of gods. And so one of the questions when I teach church history, one of the questions I always ask my students, because it's not overly obvious, is why did the early church grow? There's so many. Like, why would somebody align their life with Jesus and not with Zeus? <laughs> why, why Jesus when there's all these gods to choose from? And in our own culture, people ask the question, why Jesus when, you know, there's all these different belief systems out there? Which is, I think, a good question. Well, one of the things you have to realize, one of the reasons why the early church grew, why you had people from all different backgrounds being transformed is because they knew Jesus was raised from the dead. And you have to realize that even in the first century, dead people tended to stay dead. All right? So you can't just say, well, it's the olden days, and who knows what happened back then. No, no. In the olden days, when you died, you stayed dead. Um, it's just, it's kind of a constant throughout history. Um, and that's why Jesus kind of stands out, because he doesn't stay dead, right? And that, and, that's, and, and that truth about the resurrection, the person in the event of Jesus, the truth of the resurrection, that made all the difference. It made all the difference, and it still does. And, those, and we read this, you know, in the book of Acts, you read in, in, in verse, verse 3, we read, um, Luke says, after Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Luke's saying, look, a lot of people saw the resurrected Jesus and it kind of messed them up. Because if Jesus is raised from the dead, that means everything he said about himself, you need to take to the bank. You can take to the bank. If he stayed dead, it would be like, ah, poor guy was deluded or whatever. But because he was raised from the dead, that was the turning point. And I love what uh, Tim Keller, he's a pastor in New York, uh, Manhattan, he says these words. He says, don't ask whether Christianity is practical. Do not start. Not, not to start with. Don't ask whether it's relevant. Don't ask whether it's fulfilling. Ask whether it's true. Because if it's true, it will be relevant and practical and fulfilling. If it's not true, it won't be. Therefore, don't come to Christianity because you think it'll fulfill you, even though it will. Come because it's true. And if you know it's true and discover it to be true, then it will fulfill you. And, and you know, it's, it's standard practice for me to advertise my classes during a sermon. Uh, so I will point out that on Tuesday... I am beginning a class called 10 Hard Questions. And we're exploring, you know, tough questions that people ask about their faith. And, and we're going to be, because a lot of people get tripped up, but you need to know this, the, because Christianity is true, because Jesus was raised from the dead, for me, that was, that was a key turning point where I moved from atheism to Christianity. Because if Jesus was raised from the dead... Then I just work my way out from there. Oh, sure, I got lots of questions. We're going to explore 10 of them. There's lots of questions we could ask. But if Jesus was raised from the dead, then you work out the implications of that. 
Now, the final reason why we're going to be looking at the book of Acts is because the book of Acts reminds us of the urgency of the mission. Uh, we read at the very end of it, Jesus being taken up into heaven. And man, we could do a whole sermon series on the ascension of Jesus, the implications of that, that, the, that Jesus is at the right-hand side of the Father and he's still in human form, gives dignity to the body, our bodies matter, our humanness, and so much more. But for our purposes, one of the key implications of the ascension of Jesus is this, is that history is not endless. History will not just go on forever and ever. The Bible teaches us that there's a beginning and an end. Jesus is the beginning and the end, but history will not go on forever. It will come to an end. And when it comes to an end, you and I are going to have to give an account to how we lived our lives. And so there's an urgency to our mission. Every person's going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account. And so we need to recognize this. Now, we don't know when, when history is going to come to an end, despite lots of people saying they, they think they know. I remember a book. I used to work in the book industry. One of the top-selling books was 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Return in 1988. <laughs> uh, it tends not to be a bestseller anymore. But, uh, but the Bible does teach us to be ready. And to be right with God. And to be right in our own lives by trusting in Jesus. By boldly witnessing to our family, to our friends, to our classmates, to whoever God brings across our path. And one of the things I'll tell you that I love about working at CA Church. And I've been working at CA Church for almost 20 years. Which is a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. But one of the things I love about CA Church is that it takes the call to witness very seriously. And for 20 years, you know, I'd be working with, uh, with Pastor Mark, and it didn't matter. We'd be tired. We'd be... Pastor Mark always, always, whether it be a staff meeting or any kind of gathering, would, and he'd always talk about the importance of the mission and not to, not to get complacent, but to proclaim the truth of Jesus wherever you happen to be. And it, that never, it never wavered in 20 years. And one of the things that I'm really excited about with Pastor Sam coming on as a senior pastor is that he holds that same value, that the, the call to witness is as urgent as it's ever been. And that's, that's encouraging to me because it means that this church for this next season will maintain the same vision that is laid out in the book of Acts. And I think that's really exciting. And so my invitation to you as we begin is to read the book of Acts. Let's read it together. And to also anticipate what God will do through his word. Because his word will go out and will not return what? Empty or void. It will transform our hearts. And so let's read his word dependent upon the Holy Spirit and see what amazing things he'll do in our midst and in the farthest ends of the earth, Coquitlam. Sound good? All right, let's pray. God of all grace, we thank you for your grace. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are life, and our lives will only work insofar as they're connected to you.
We thank you for your word. You're not a God who plays hide and seek. You're a revealing God. And you've revealed yourself through your word. And you've given us your very presence, the Holy Spirit, transforming us from the inside out, giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. And I pray for those who are here this morning who are just on the edge and they're hearing this and they want in. And they're longing for a story that is bigger than Netflix. <laughs> so longing for a story that's bigger than their life. Lord, this is a story that you're inviting us into. It made all the difference, and it continues to make all the difference in my own life, and I'm thankful for that. For I, once, I was once very far away from you. And so we're thankful that you invite us into this great story that's carrying on. And you've given us this great mission to be witnesses of the truth of Jesus Christ. And so this week, we pray that you would grant us courage to speak, to be witnesses, to, be, to, to proclaim the truth of Jesus that our faith is rooted in a person and an event that took place in history. And you're still in the business of changing lives today. So we commit our lives to you, Lord. Lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.